Hello, it's Caroline, and I'm here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a long time ago, back when I used Patreon, back when I ran lots of different workshops and programs that I do not run anymore, and back before the Fuck It Diet book. So if I refer to any of these obsolete offerings while you're listening, just know that even though my Patreon and other programs don't exist anymore, you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck It Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. What used to be a haven is now taken over by my dog. Oh, you hear that? She's going to try to knock over the microphone. No, off. Good girl. Uh... So anyway, hopefully hopefully her bone chewing won't be too loud and we can do what we came here to do, you and I. Talk about not dieting. My name is Caroline Dooner. This is the Fuck It Diet Radio. This is the Fuck It Diet. Sorry, I'm distracted, but I'm going to try really hard not to be distracted. Um... Today, we're going to do what we usually do. We're going to read the newest post and answer podcast insider questions, asking questions about the fuck a diet, which hopefully will help you in your fuck a diet journey. So here we go. Let's just dive right into it before my dog uh, eats my couch. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Okay, so today's new post was actually part of the frequently asked questions in my book that I have been editing that is now going to be coming out in March 2019. I know it's slowly going back, but it's going to come out March 2019. And I sort of dissolved a lot of these frequently asked questions back into the book, into the narrative of the book. And then I took some of them out to kind of place in other um, formats. And one of them is a blog post. And so that is what we are focusing on today. And the blog post is called, How Do I Grocery Shop Now That Nothing Is Off Limits? So I get a version of this question um, often enough. And I've sort of put together all the variations of this question. Sometimes people ask it very genuinely. And sometimes people ask it really um, how do I put it, uh, like angrily, like they're angry with me for giving them the permission and they're telling me it's impossible because there's just no way to actually grocery shop if they haven't meal prepped. So the conglomeration question is how expensive is this whole thing? The fuck a diet. Am I just supposed to let myself eat anything, anytime, anywhere? How can I afford that? Will I spend all my money out at restaurants? Well, I have to make everything at home because I can't afford what I am craving. How do I grocery shop now that nothing is off limits? And how will I know what I'm going to crave in a few days? Like, how can I buy what I crave if I don't know what I'm going to crave? 
So first I tell them to calm down. <laughs> and here's the answer. First of all, there is nothing more expensive than being on a diet, and that is true. Diet food and low-calorie food is often marked up to be way more expensive than normal food. Most normal food is also often more filling because it actually has more calories. But yes, staying alive on enough food costs money, and it costs a lot of money, and it's frustrating. And you will need to prioritize that if you want to heal. And yes, frugality is sometimes a necessity, but also make sure that you're aware of the irrational fear of spending money on food because I have known people who had the money part um, as actually part of the eating disorder and it's easy to justify it. So someone I knew in college refused to eat any food unless it was free and they didn't have to pay for it and yes, that's extreme. Um, but it was an eating disorder, however, it was able to be formally called a financial decision to them. It's kind of like what people do with, um, with being a health nut. You can justify lots of behaviors by saying it's responsible and necessary. So obviously everyone on the fuck -a diet will be in totally different financial situations. So like all things, it will all need to be tailored to what you can access and what you can afford. And also, when I say to eat whatever you want in any quantities, so this is for the question of like, well, am I just supposed to eat anything, anytime, anywhere? Like, how can I actually do that? How is that like practically possible? Um, I just, I don't mean that if you crave a lobster feast and strawberry cake, wait, strawberry, <laughs> strawberry shortcake at 11 a.m. in the middle of winter that you need to go get that for yourself. Of course you can, you can do whatever you want, but you also can and should satiate your hunger and cravings with what is around and with what is um, possible and sane and what you can afford. So maybe you could compromise with some lemony, buttery seafood for dinner if you're still craving a lobster feast with some sort of cake or cookie and fruit. You see what I mean? So also for the grocery shopping question of how on earth am I supposed to grocery shop for myself now that nothing is off limits, there are people who um, immediately feel liberated in the grocery store because now nothing is off limits and they can actually get what they want and they don't have to worry about ingredients, et cetera, et cetera. However, there are enough people who are totally overwhelmed in the grocery store and it makes sense because it's a big shift in the way that you relate to food. Hi, puppy. You're so cute. Ah, she's calmed down. Okay. So, if you have never grocery shopped for what you want, as opposed to what's on your diet, there is going to be a learning curve. That's normal. You're going to have to try things out. You're going to have to get things that you think you'll like. And next week, you can edit your choices depending on what you learned, what you liked, didn't like, what you want to try now, and what you want to have around for this week. There is going to be a learning curve. You're allowed to get things that you don't love as much as you thought you loved. You're allowed to not get as much as you wanted and needed. Like this is how to apply this in the real world. Doesn't have to be perfect. It, it can't be, it never will be. Oh, shut up phone. Um, or you can try going food shopping more often. And if you're looking for cheap ways to make sure you get in lots of calories, look to build meals around affordable staples like rice and potatoes and bread and peanut butter and cheese. See, you can't do that on your diet, probably. It really is that simple, but I do get it because I personally am a really terrible grocery shopper. I'm really 
not good. And I'm a very basic cook. Um, but my first two years of the fuck diet included lots of sourdough bread and cheese and avocado toast and granola and ice cream. So much ice cream that my original secret fuck diet pen name was pen name was Caroline Hagen. I don't know if some of you probably know that. As in Hagen Das ice cream brand. And now I sometimes make elaborate vegetable stews from scratch, but only because I'm procrastinating finishing. Oh shit! I said only because I'm procrastinating finishing this book. Um. Anyway, that was last summer when I was procrastinating finishing the book. And I was making a vegetable stew, and it was really good, but I basically haven't made it since. So if you're like most people, and you can't afford to eat your favorite foods out at restaurants all the time, welcome to the world. You need to learn to cook the things that you like and save eating out for special occasions. This is like what everyone has to do in a way. Or you can just eat sourdough sharp cheddar grilled cheeses for a year like I did at the beginning of the fuck a diet. And if you're cooking for a family, Navigating your cravings with your kids and partner will probably always be hard. It's, it's, it's something that people have to figure out. But maybe now that you can eat macaroni and cheese, some nights will get easier, actually. You may not always have what you crave in your pantry, so you'll either go out and get it or you'll make do with what you have. But if you can make a grilled cheese, you can do this. Seriously. Um, hopefully, I feel like a lot of my answers to questions, okay, that's it, that's, that's the end of the post. I feel like a lot of answers to questions are very, very straightforward and simple and obvious, but sometimes they need to be said again. Sometimes it just needs to be said in a way that makes it clear and reminds you of what you're doing and reminds you of what's normal, like what's normal, um, what's a normal learning curve and what's a normal frustration. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I know a couple people who like grocery shopping and I don't understand them. And if you like grocery shopping, you're so lucky. But most people dread it. And they're like, oh God, I have to go again. And it's just, it's a it's a chore. It's, a, it's an errand. So understanding that and then making it as joyful as possible um, by being able to get the foods that you really like, hopefully we'll make this whole thing easier. So let me know what you think about this. Let me know your experiences with grocery shopping on the fuck it diet. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. So let's go to reading some, oh shoot, exit editor. Okay. So over on patreon.com slash Caroline Dooner slash community. If you are a podcast insider, this is where people can ask questions. And if you want to ask questions for the podcast, you can go over to patreon.com slash Caroline Dooner and you can sign up for as little as $1 a month and get in on this fun. Okay, so let me find where we left off. I sort of always forget. Okay, Sarah asks or says, Hey guys, my attitude towards free eating ricochets all over the damn place. Some days I'm like, woo, while others I'm practically crippled with shame and cut the right bomb wire with four seconds till it blows panic. (laughs) You're a good writer. Um, I know it is the delusion of a lifetime of immersion into all the shit we all know, but it can be so overwhelming that it deeply affects my mood. 
What is weird is that my thoughts about food and eating are totally free. I have no desire to alter my food and I don't usually feel guilty for eating whatever I want. It's the body hatred that gets me. And just to pipe in, that's very, very common that the body hatred or the body beliefs and all of those ingrained fears is the thing that makes this so hard and is also the reason that we started this in the first place, meaning started dieting. So back to Sarah, she said, also delusional because I love my body. I feel very feminine and sexy when I'm on the chubbier side and yet the unbearable pressure to be tiny is just crippling. Ugh, help. I have total self-awareness of this so I don't need reassurance on that. I guess I just need practical advice on how to push through in the moment. So this is um, why I teach, I do the energy work because my beliefs and experience on the way that the brain and the body affect each other is that we have these limiting beliefs in our subconscious that we've learned that that are essentially attached to unresolved stress emotion and trauma so we can know better but there's still a very um emotional and physical stress response that happens and the way to process that is to get back into the body and feel the panic. And that is what I do in the energy work that is um, on Patreon and then also in my programs. I teach how to like figure out how to kind of DIY in the moment. But the short answer is feel the panic and that that's the missing link in my experience. The missing link is that it's so frustrating because we know better, but there's still this, um, there's still essentially old trauma is the simplest way to put it. And there's a reason that I explain it that way um, because that's actually what's happening in like in, you know, on a smaller scale than maybe full blown PTSD. But um, it is all about processing what has been stuck that's attached to old beliefs. So hopefully that's helpful conceptually um and then she actually asks another question so she said okay one more to piggyback on what i wrote last time i have very little issues with eating freely but i have been eating lately even when not hungry um not craving or anything else what happens is i have a passing thought about food not even eating just an image of a food or something that i dwell on until i have a craving my appetite and desire for food is finally normal but it's like a weird fixation to eat compulsively the food sounds disgusting. I have no appetite, no thoughts of eating at all until it happens. Even while preparing and eating the food, the thought of eating is gross, like trying to eat meat or raw broccoli when not hungry. So the food I turn to is something bland like crackers, Pop-Tart, or the like. I'm a little bit confused by this question, but I'm going to read it until I understand better. I truly do not feel that that it is refeeding. It feels compulsive to me like OCD. I have psych problems, but my doctor will just steer me towards a nutritionist, which is absolutely not what I want. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah, this does sound a little bit like OCD. Um, I'm going to read Samantha's response to you and see if there's any insight in that, and then I'm going to read it again and, and respond. So Samantha says, Hi, Sarah. I totally understand where you're coming from. I used to fixate for long periods of time and eventually gave in, in quotes, to whatever I was craving. I then beat myself up about it. Now I try to be kinder to myself. If I'm focusing for too long on a food, I eat it. Typically when I do this, 
the thought goes away and I stop obsessing. Other times when I have a food thought or try to recognize I try to recognize what it is, especially if I'm not hungry. For example, I was upset my boyfriend would be traveling soon and we had a fight. I pictured icing instantly. It was wild, but I realized I was using uh, I was used to immediately turning to food instead of acknowledging what I was feeling. So yes, this is piggybacking on the feel, 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 feel. That's like always my advice. I'm not knocking emotional eating because that's okay too if that's what you need. Try to be compassionate with yourself and thoughts. Oh yeah, try to be compassionate with yourself and thoughts. That's an amazing ex- um, answer. Sorry guys, my words aren't aren't right today. That's an amazing answer from Samantha and it's very close to what I would say. Basically, I think you might be making the stakes too high and not that it's not some sort of OCD thing, Um, eating issues mirror OCD very closely and restricting food and going through that for years at a time can actually um, mimic OCD in the brain a little bit. You are fixated on food and it is the survival thing but it it is also the connection between the brain and the body. So it sounds to me, it sounds like you're making the stakes a little bit high with this because I mean obviously it's not fun to like crave food that also sounds disgusting Um, but I think if you can lower the stakes on what's happening in the first place you'll be able to just eat the food or not and hopefully move on as opposed to being like oh no oh no oh no what's wrong what's wrong I'm not craving the right foods what's wrong with me I feel gross Um, I went through periods in the beginning where I didn't like after the initial refeeding, food, a lot of food sounded gross to me and I was like apathetic about food, um, but I obviously had to eat and I have had a lot of questions. In fact, the very first podcast episode that I ever recorded and then deleted it because it was a terrible first episode and then the second episode, which was like intro to the fuck a diet, has become the first episode and it's called episode one and two. But the very first Q&A that I answered for this podcast was the question... I have been on the fuck a diet for a couple months and I've reached a point where all food is gross to me. (laughs) Um, What do I do? Is this going to last? I kind of miss enjoying food. And I, it's really strange because it is a phase. It's like very strange to a dieter because normally food is this, is like the be all end all. And when you actually feed your body, there's this weird phase where it's like you don't care at all. And that's kind of annoying in a way but it is a phase and it does normal out I I have experienced personally and from other people who I've talked to who've gone through the fuck diet basically my advice is to lower the stakes about these cravings and see if that helps because I think it might and to yes be kind to yourself um and just sort of try things out and see um see if that helps if kind of letting letting the cravings be imperfect and annoying be okay and I think it will be a phase okay next question from artist voice or Rosa Rosa says hey I asked a question about sleeping and anxiety a few months ago and thanks for the answer I actually found yoga nidra after that and I've been listening to a short yoga nidra in the evenings when I go to sleep and it has helped me with falling asleep tremendously that's awesome that has a huge effect on my mood on my mood and overall health. I find that the mental wheel goes silent very quickly during the meditation. It is funny that I got into Ashtanga yoga 
um, over 10 years ago when I was 18 and I was into it for several years, yet no one ever introduced Yoga Nidra to me. Yeah, Yoga Nidra is not like, I, I didn't hear about it in yoga either until very recently. I don't do any asana practice anymore because it just doesn't fit my body or mental preferences and the yoga culture generally ticks me off. <laughs> I agree. But off the trendy scene, there are so many great things in yoga. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I've been listening to lots of podcasts and really allowed myself to immerse in this more fully. I've gotten the advice like follow your pleasure years ago, but then I really twisted it into my pleasure has to be green juices and cleansing. Yep, yep, yep. It's like intuitive eating or it's like if I'm going to eat intuitively, I'm going to only want vegetables. Um, I always had something to cut out, eliminate, and I always felt bad that I couldn't cleanse or fast because I didn't have that will. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, my uh, mail slot is terrifying. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm not dead. I was not killed. They just dropped out the mail. And my door was like half open, so it was really weird. Okay, let's get back to this question. <sighs> she said, I always felt bad that I couldn't cleanse or fast because I didn't have the willpower slash it felt so awful physically. Just now I've realized how distorted and restricting I've been. The thing is that I used to have these uncontrollable quote-unquote binges that I um, but I didn't consider them binges where I usually ate in the evening beyond a level that I was comfortable with and I couldn't fall asleep because it was I it felt so obnoxious. That's a really funny way of putting it. Of course, I thought that I just hadn't found the way to rise above my cravings. Yep, yep, we all get this. So now that I haven't had that quote-unquote, oh, she said, now I haven't had that quote overeating for months. I'm really happy that you're putting these things in quotes. It's great. Um, I eat sugar quite often, but tiny amounts. I find that it's very easy to stop when it just doesn't appeal anymore. This is like, <laughs> this is like just a great testimonial. Um, I allow myself to drink coffee, which I also imagined to be poison before, which leads to my question. Oh, okay, there is a question. I have had few conversations with people about sugar and how it is, quote, poison and very addictive. I know I don't agree with that inside, just my experience tells me that when I allow myself sugar and live a fulfilling life, sugar doesn't control me and I don't eat to a place where it is uncomfortable. But I don't know how to argue this for perspective and I end up like a fish on dry land feeling too emotional and I totally understand this and wanting to use my voice but I can't find words. What can I say in those situations? Are there some good research studies about it that I could refer to? Thanks. Okay. I totally understand. I'm, I have what I call data amnesia where like I know what I've read scientifically but then I like can't put it together in a sentence when I'm actually again up against people who are like you know sugar's a poison. Okay um, sugar's not a poison. So this is what you can say. Basically I this is an annoying thing to say but um, there are a million studies that are in the fuck it diet book that's coming out March 2019 that you can reference, I have whole sections on sugar, but here is the shortest answer um, that you can use. All of your cells run on sugar. You need glucose in your blood for your cells and for your brain to stay alive. 
you can create sugar, your body can, by breaking down muscles, by converting fat into sugar. It is a complicated process and it requires cortisol and adrenaline, which are both stress hormones. And, <clears throat> and they take glycogen and something else that I forget because my brain doesn't work in science from the liver, from the thymus gland, from um, <clears throat> from basically it it's stressful to your body and it lowers your metabolism and has you running on stress hormones essentially, which can feel fine in the beginning. It can even feel euphoric in the beginning, but it is essentially a crisis state. Yes, your body will keep you alive, but it is not ideal. So if you just think about the fact that literally you, you have blood sugar that needs to be in a safe range at all times, every moment of your entire life, and if it dips too low, you die. So your body needs sugar constantly, and if you are not eating carbs, it has to go through a complicated process that raises stress hormones and breaks down your muscles and lowers your metabolism in order to do it. People will say, but your body can run on ketones. And it's like, yes, it can, but it is a stress state. So that's just the simplest way of explaining it. I go into more detail in the book. I know there are other books that must go into detail. I actually really like the book um, In Defense of Sugar. In Defense of Sugar. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. But um, just like other things, like people think that candida um, is caused by eating sugar and it's been proven to not be. Again, I there's a reference in the book, but I don't have these references like off the top of my head. Um, but all, and also things like uh, honey has actually been seen to improve candida because it's antifungal properties. All cells run on sugar. So people saying that candida runs on sugar, it's like every cell runs on sugar. Same with the cancer theory. Yes, sugar feeds all of your cells, the cells that help you and your immunity. So it's just sort of faulty science where people are demonizing demonizing the thing that uh, actually makes it easy for you to stay alive. So I totally understand, and I know that it's annoying for me to be like, just wait for my book to come out. I have, but I spent so much time, so much time gathering studies and putting it together in the most concise way. And of course, now when I'm forced to like just spew it out, there are, there's a lot of detail in there that I, my brain doesn't remember because that's not the way my brain works. But anyway, and any nutritionist will tell you how much uh, sugar your brain needs to function normally every day. And yes, again, people are always going to argue that you can live on ketones, but it is not ideal. And I will take that to my grave. Okay, moving on. Next question. I hope that was helpful. I know that my I'm very much like you where I'm like, I know the answer to this, but I don't my brain just does not retain like studies and stuff. Okay, Charlotte says, hello all, I am currently in the allow all food phase. Okay, the allow all food is not a phase, but I think I understand what you're saying. And I feel I have made uh, lots of progress with my thoughts and habits. However, I am massively triggered by old pictures of my very thin body. Oh, I hope that this is still recording, is it? Time. Okay, good. Uh, 
up that uh, I'm massively triggered by old pictures of my very thin body or others who have lost a lot of weight and are very thin. It sends me into an I must lose weight panic. How do I bash these thoughts away so um, so much that they cease to even occur? I'm also really struggling with some food guilt and shame when full. Lots of thanks, Charlotte. Samantha responded. Thank you for responding, Samantha, while I'm like too stressed being like a single dog mother. Okay. Uh, Samantha said, pictures can definitely be triggers. I totally understand where you're coming from. I think in a picture, it's easy to wear rose-colored glasses. Samantha, you're so wise. To wear rose-colored glasses and think you look perfect or that another person looks perfect. Yes, for sure. However, we don't actually know what someone is going through just based on pictures. If I see older skinny pictures of myself, I try to think back to what I was feeling in that moment. A lot of the time I was anxious, obsessed with food, stucking in, sucking in my stomach, etc. There isn't always a negative connotation to being skinny in a picture, but it often doesn't tell the whole story. The beginning process is very scary. I remember when I first started allowing all foods, I felt so overwhelmed and anxious. I'm adding like varies and so's to her response. I don't know why I'm doing that. It will get easier. It just takes time. Stay strong. Samantha, you're amazing. <laughs> Um, that was a beautiful response, and it really is true. I I do think back to even just, like, seeing my face in pictures from, like, you know, 10 years ago. Even at the time, I was like, oh, God, ooh, ooh, like, that's so ugly. What a, what a bad angle. And I look at them now, and I'm like, wow, I really hated that picture, but it's, like, just a picture of my face, and I have the worst response to it. However, pictures are really triggering because we kind of have body dysmorphia in looking at pictures of ourselves, sort of like what Samantha said. But my advice remains the same. This is about essentially unresolved stress that's in your body. So the, the, our brain is going into like um, limiting belief mode. This is why I really recommend doing a brain dump. So actually when you're feeling stressed, sit down and start writing everything you feel, everything you're stressed about, everything like your worst fears, all of the panic that's going on and then look at it and see how much of it is actually beliefs, like limiting beliefs. For instance, like I will be so much happier when I'm thin or um, I, you know, I can't trust myself or people are going to wonder what's wrong with me. And it's all about leaning into the panic that those things bring up because we think that leaning into the panic will take over our lives, but it's actually unprocessed stuff that is allowing those beliefs to kind of remain um, powerful. Um, and I know that that sounds like woo woo, but that is... That's the whole deal with feeling and how feeling can actually liberate you from the panic that you that you think is going to kind of take over. Um, but yes, I agree. Keep going. Do the emotional and mental work that comes along with this journey, and it will it will all be worth it. So Christine says, trigger warning: weight loss. I'm nearing so. This means that if you think that hearing about weight loss will be a trigger to you, maybe skip ahead a little bit. Um, she said, I am nearing a place of desperation about the inner conflict I'm experiencing. I previously, stupidly, asked this question to my Facebook friends, but I got back almost all advice about weight loss from thin people. 
How do I simultaneously love my body while wanting it to be smaller and not participate in diet culture? I'm struggling to parse all these feelings out. Background background info, I gained 70 pounds in an abusive relationship six years ago, and since then my body has been uncomfortable, been an uncomfortable vessel in which to navigate the world. Plus, it is important to my emotional healing to unpack the baggage on my body or in my body that caused um, caused by this relationship. I want to lose weight and I don't want guilt about it, but it feels impossible within the confines of avoiding diet culture. So though it feels like it's all, this is my response to you, though it feels like it's all about the weight, it's not all about the weight. And there is a lot of healing that can happen if you are willing to accept your weight where it is, even if your more natural place your more natural weight set range might be a little bit lower. Like maybe you're at the top of your weight set range and once you process the emotional piece of what you went through in your abusive relationship, by the way, I often jump right into answers without being like, I'm so sorry that you went through an abusive relationship six years ago. Um, That is so difficult, but there is this thing where we see the weight as this problem where really it was this protective mechanism for you. Um, and so to change the way that you look at the weight and what it has done for you and what it means, I think will be a really important part of this process. If you can make friends with the weight and the body that you have right now, that will liberate you to lose weight or not and actually change your relationship with food and body. And then my answer is the same for everything else, but this is especially a case where it's about processing the trauma that um, happened to you. And um, the like you said, the emotional healing to unpackage the baggage um, caused by this relationship. So I genu- and it could be attached to weight. Weight could be a separate thing that happened due to stress. Um, it could be like a more woo-woo metaphysical thing. It could be a very physical situation that you're in right now. And now that you're sort of in this maybe bad relationship with food, it sounds like your body is keeping on weight to protect you. So it is about accepting where you are right now in your body. But there's also a lot of emotions to process in relationship to the abusive relationship that you had and your body and that is the way forward so we want to run away from the discomfort but the oh my dog is like snoring or something but the um but the cure lies in leaning into and embracing the discomfort because that is how we process it um that is my simple it's not the simple thing to do but that's the um that is the way And I'm actually going to read what Samantha said. She said, I highly recommend picking up the Intuitive Eating Principles book. It helps you get rid of food guilt about uh, guilt about food and teaches you to let your body restore itself to its natural set point. It's definitely a journey, but well worth it. I know it's hard because you can focus on the weight loss, but what you're probably looking for really is more compassion, love, and understanding through the guise of weight loss. Um, they can be intermingled so often and it's hard to tell the difference. Health at Every Size is also an awesome book that may help you change your mindset. Wishing you love on your journey. That's a great answer, Samantha. Um, I really do believe that um, 
deciding that the weight that you are right now is totally wrong and a big problem is going to get in your way and finding a way to thank your weight for whatever way it was able to protect you, whatever, um, I don't know if you gained weight just because of stress or, oh God, stop it, decline, everyone leave me alone, okay. <sighs> anyway, um, I, th- I, tur- I thought I turned off people calling me on my, on my computer. Um, I don't know whether you know that you were sort of like in a uh, extreme emotional eating or binging state during the relationship um, or if the weight gain was mostly due to stress. I'm not sure. I don't know what the situation was, but either way, there was something that the weight gain did for you that actually was helping you, whether you're you were able to see it then or whether you're yet able to see it now. But essentially finding what the gift was and being thankful for it and then accepting where you are and the potential to stay there will allow you to heal your relationship to food and actually feel um, the things that feel too scary to feel. And if you were in an abusive relationship, there is probably a lot of trauma. Um, It's very real and you deserve a lot of support Uh, working through that but it is about feeling that and embracing where you are whether you want to hear that or not and not about how can you lose weight and not be on a diet that's just not what the fuck a diet is so um, I wish you all the best and I hope that you update me on how it goes okay there was definitely another question that is not showing up here and I'm very confused somebody sent um, somebody sent a question today, unless I'm crazy. Maybe it was attached to... So... Oh, people are commenting on... Okay, never mind. Never mind, there wasn't a question. It was just a, it was a response to um, a reward that I posted. So never mind, never mind, never mind. And again, if you want to know what the rewards are, that wasn't meant to be a segue into this, but why not use it? Uh, for $5, I give writing prompts every month. And for $10, you get energy work every month. For July, it was the root chakra and the thyroid organ energy. And this month, it is going to be the root chakra and the lung energy, which has to do with grief. So that's it, guys. Uh, this has been, a, I feel like this has been a an episode that felt like a little slap together. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I just turned in my edits for my book, which was a huge deal. And I added lots and lots of studies about sugar in there, um, which is why it's so annoying that I can't remember any of them right now. Uh, I turned that in the other day. I am picking my sister up from the airport. She lives in San Diego right now and is going to school for acupuncture. And she's back for a month. And we're going to drive to the shore and she's going to meet her niece. Meaning my dog. And I have to pack up my entire life. But uh, I hope that this was helpful. Uh, I'm on a a schedule where I'm going to be releasing a podcast once a month. It's going to be like this. 
for the foreseeable future. And again, if you want to ask a question for the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can, and I'll answer it just like I answered, um, the ones that I did today. And I'll probably tell you to, uh, let yourself off the hook and to feel more, but I will, it's the same, but sometimes we need to hear it over and over and over and over again. Don't we? All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I woke up at five 30 this morning, so. I am very thankful that you're putting up with me and my broken brain. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, there's peanut butter all over my couch. Don't bite my pillow. No, you're annoying. You're annoying. Oh, God. Oh, God.